This is The Guardian. I'm Gabrielle Jackson, coming to you from Gadigal Land. And this is The Full Story, Newsroom Edition, where Guardian Australia's editors discuss the news of the week. I see we're here this morning to present uh, our investigation report into the matter called Operation Keppel. Almost two years after Gladys Berejiklian took the stand at the Independent Commission Against Corruption, the findings have been handed down. And the report is clear. The report today makes serious corrupt conduct findings against uh, two individuals, the former member for Wagga Wagga, the former Premier. Um, here is our report. The former New South Wales Premier and former MP Daryl Maguire engaged in serious corrupt conduct and breached the public's trust. Yet, amid the bombshell findings, many have reserved their criticism for ICAC. Today, I'm talking to Editor-in-Chief Lenore Taylor and Investigations Editor Anne Davies about Gladys Berejiklian, ICAC and the public's right to know. It's Friday, the 30th of June. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Good morning, Lenore. Morning, Gabs. And good morning, Anne. Hi, Gabs. Welcome to the Newsroom Edition. Anne is our investigations editor and resident ICAC expert. Uh, hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so Gladys Berejiklian was found on Thursday to have engaged in serious corrupt conduct by ICAC. And what were the reasons they gave for this? Well, it related to some decisions she made in relation to grants to the seat of Wagga Wagga. There were two particular grants they looked at. One was to the Australian Clay Target Association and the other one was uh, a very big grant, $20 million, to fund the Riverina Conservatorium. Now, the reason why these have been so controversial is that we discovered midway through an inquiry that Gladys Berejiklian was in a close personal relationship with the member for Wagga, Daryl Maguire. Were you in a close personal relationship with Ms Berejiklian? Ah, yes. Yes. Are you still in a close personal relationship with Ms Berejiklian? Not after the events of this, I wouldn't be. No one knew about this, including all her colleagues in Cabinet. And so when she approved these grants, or she didn't, Cabinet approved them, but she urged them, we then discovered that she hadn't ever declared this conflict of interest. Because she'd never declared the relationship. Yeah, she'd never declared the relationship to anybody. No. And so then as things started unravelling for Daryl Maguire, they also started unravelling for Gladys Berejiklian. He had been revealed in an inquiry known as Operation Dasher, which involved 
tapping phones of Canterbury councillors over corrupt land deals. And in the course of this, they heard Daryl Maguire talking about finding a development site in Canterbury for a client of his called Country Garden, a big Chinese developer. And he indicated that he would probably get some payment for this. So that set another ball rolling. We had Operation Keppel that came out of that, which focused on Daryl Maguire. And in the course of that, they listened to his phone and I can only imagine, imagine the surprise. I can only imagine what the investigators thought when they heard him talking to what was clearly a close personal friend, and it was the Premier, Gladys mm-hmm. Berejiklian. I regarded him as a my, part of my love circle, part of people that I strongly cared for. And that sort I, of is I the centre of this whole category. thing. All the findings against her come back to that central fact that that relationship was secret. Would you disclose your close personal relationship with Mr Maguire to your ministerial colleagues or any of them? I didn't feel it was of sufficient standard or sufficient significance in order to do that. So does that mean the answer to my question is no? I would not have. She didn't disclose the conflicts of interest. She didn't disclose that she should have had suspicions about whether he was engaging in corrupt conduct and that was in the time when she was Premier. It all comes back to the nature of their relationship. What's the answer to my question then? Did you or did you not regard Mr Maguire as part of your family as at the 12th of April 2018? I didn't regard him as a member of my family in the same way that I regard my parents or my sisters. Way back when she gave evidence, there was tapped phone calls that really sort of went to that question. He was talking to her about a land deal that he was going to make a lot of money on. Looks like we finally got the Badgerish Creek stuff done. That's good. And they sort of continued this conversation to the point where she then eventually said, Mm. I don't need to know about that bit. No, you don't. I don't need to know that bit. And at that point you thought, why do you not need to know that bit? And I think the, the report went to that and saw that as evidence that she didn't want to take the conversation to the point where she didn't have deniability. She certainly knew he was out there doing jobs outside his parliamentary responsibility. Mm. There's no doubt she knew that. When she gave that bombshell um, evidence in 2020, she tried to really downplay it. Their relationship didn't have sufficient substance for her to have declared it. It wasn't important enough. It really wasn't that big a deal. But even then we had all that evidence of them having pet names for each other and he they'd been talking about getting married and having babies. He had keys to her house. What did you mean by him always being your numero uno? I think he I, I think what I would have meant that there is um that in my personal life I placed importance on on how I felt about him. The evidence didn't really, in the minds of most people, substantiate the idea that it wasn't a close personal relationship, which was she was trying to say, I was just I chose the wrong guy, but it was wasn't that big a deal. All the evidence then suggests it was a pretty big deal. And then now in the report, there's more evidence that didn't come out in the public inquiries, which shows even more conclusively that it clearly was a important relationship that should have been disclosed. And that's what ICAC has found. I think the uh 
interesting thing about it is that we're learning in a way it was a very uneven relationship. Mm. We've seen texts where she's been trying to placate Daryl Maguire. Now, we know a little bit about Maguire. He's a quite egotistical man, but clearly Gladys Berejiklian was very busy trying to keep him in the relationship and there are some quite shocking texts Mm. that are now in the public domain. There's one particularly disturbing exchange where he's upset about her dissing him in public. Or being mean to him. Or being mean to him, yeah. And she says, oh, no, you're the boss. And he goes, yeah, I I am always the boss, even when you're Premier. One thing that the um, report talks a lot about is the idea that when they're discussing the nature of their relationship and whether or not it was important, that she had an interest or she wanted to keep him in parliament and she had an interest in his financial dealings because he was in debt, he wanted to get out of debt, he wanted to be able to quit parliament in 2019. So these are the conversations before that so that then they could make their relationship public and they could travel together and do the things that are, you know, a an acknowledged couple would do. So the report talks about the interest she had both in him making good these deals to get money because that would help the process of him getting out of parliament and then being able to declare their relationship and have a public, normal relationship together. That sounds quite serious, but the ICAC hasn't recommended any criminal charges against her. What do you make of that, Lenore? I think what it came down to is that they thought a prosecution was unlikely to proceed. I think she gave most of her evidence to ICAC under objection, so much of it would not be admissible in an investigation for a criminal proceedings. And you have to, you know, now the process after this is there has to be another investigation by the police in order to lay charges. Um, so they have to start from scratch? Pretty much. And and if they started from scratch in the case of Gladys Berejiklian, and a lot of the evidence that ICAC used to reach its findings would probably not be admissible. And on that basis, they decided that it was probably unlikely that charges would succeed. So they didn't recommend that charges be considered against Gladys Berejiklian, but they had very different recommendations about Daryl Maguire. And what were they, Anne? Well, they found that he should be referred for misconduct in public office. And that's because of a number of things. First of all, he sought but perhaps wasn't paid commissions in relation to land deals and that he went and lobbied ministers without disclosing that he was potentially going to benefit from these land deals. There was one in Western Sydney. There was one at Camellia. There were a number of them. He also has been found to have acted corruptly by using his ministerial office to run businesses. There was a whole migration business that was alleged to have been running out of his office. And so he has been found to have acted corruptly on a number of fronts. And in some cases, using his connections with her, sending emails to her private email address, you know, introductions and things with her. Yeah. So he's facing a world of pain, I would think. There's a lot of evidence from phone taps. And, you know, the reason why they're not prosecuting Gladys, I think they probably could have gone and got a lot of the phone conversations if they chose to. But basically, a breach of the ministerial code is not criminal. It gets a bit more hazy when you start trying to established misconduct in public office because clearly she had 
a motivation that was not necessarily about enriching herself. It was something else and I think that would have been a big problem in establishing her, her motivation. There has been some really sharp criticism today and in the past two years about how long ICAC has taken to deliver this report. Uh, even the New South Wales Premier, Labor Premier, said today it had taken too long. Firstly, this report's taken way too long. I think that's been generally recognised across the political spectrum in New South Wales. What was the cause of the delay? Well, I mean, it is a very long and complicated investigation and a very, very long and complicated report. And what we found out in the report is that they were still receiving submissions and taking submissions until relatively recently. However, I do think that two years is a long time to take for a report like this. And I think the point that both the Premier and the opposition leader were making in New South Wales is that that's a long time for someone to wait for a decision. And, you know, they both sort of said, look, whether or not a person who has given evidence needs to stand down depends on the case. They, they've both been quite, both sides of politics have been relatively measured in their response, I think. But I think the the delay, I mean, I think even um, Anthony Wheelie KC has criticised the delay Uh, And I think the New South Wales government is now sort of saying they're going to impose some new requirements on ICAC to set themselves deadlines and meet the deadlines. There's no doubt it took way too long for the commissioner to write her report and it led to unfairness in some ways for Gladys Mm. Berejiklian because we were all speculating what it would say. Mm. And, you know, ICAC has come under fire quite a bit. The previous Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, called it a kangaroo court. But these findings are quite serious. What does it do for those kinds of attacks on ICAC? Well, I mean, I think we're having a debate about uh, what sort of standards we need to have in public life and what kind of institutions we need to uphold those standards. And I think, yes, ICAC has come under criticism, but I think this report, you know, lays out a a pretty compelling uh, set of facts in to, to reach the conclusions that it reaches. The NAC, the National Anti-Corruption Commission, starts in a couple of weeks and we're already seeing instances of things that might be referred to it. So I think it's quite interesting that, you know, for years we've had allegations swirling around that aren't necessarily investigated and for which there aren't necessarily consequences. And so, yeah, I think it's quite a consequential report One interesting thing, of course, is um, the difference between the National Anti-Corruption Commission and ICAC Mm. will be their ability to hold public hearings. Now, there's a much higher standard for the NAC to cross Mm. before it can go public. The ICAC has come under fire because it has public hearings, but it doesn't always have public hearings. No. And in this case, they had a long string of private hearings before they went public. And I think the report really justifies the reason for going public. And they were quite careful. Council Assisting was quite careful in his questioning in the public hearings. I don't think it was sort of over the top or unnecessarily intrusive. Like he only asked the questions he needed to ask to get the answers that were relevant to the questions of propriety that they were investigating. And now we've learnt there's a whole lot of a whole lot of other stuff. There. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that's worth noting is breaches of the ministerial code are not criminal. That's a code that the parliament has. It's not a statute, and so the only place to really air that mm. is in ICAC, where it can be corrupt conduct to breach the code. 
it's just not going to lead to criminal charges. And I think that's a bit of a worry at the federal level when we have this sort of breach of a code, but something less than criminal. I guess we'll see how it works out. And in your analysis piece that you wrote for The Guardian on Thursday, you noted that Gladys Berejiklian was a hugely popular premier and that she may always be seen to some as a woman brought down by a dodgy boyfriend. But nevertheless, these findings were pretty serious. How do you think Gladys Berejiklian will be perceived now? Well, I think she'll still be remembered pretty fondly. I used to go every morning to her COVID briefing and look, you know, you really got to admire that she stood up day after day and sort of gently walked the path between locking us down and keeping the state running. And some would say she had a partly luck, but partly good management. We didn't have the sort of lockdowns that they had in Victoria. And so I think she'll be remembered pretty fondly. She was a sort of no-nonsense person. I mean, I guess that's why I personally find this so inexplicable, that she felt the need to hide this relationship and not even talk to her chief of staff about Mm. it. There was a lot of talk about her going into federal politics at one stage. How does that look now? Well, you'd think it's pretty unlikely, but... Gladys Berejiklian has released a statement and it does seem to foreshadow an appeal. She says she's talking to her legal team, but she puts a lot of emphasis on the fact that she served the people of New South Wales, that it was an honour and a privilege and that she worked her hardest in the public interest. She says there's nothing in the report that demonstrates otherwise. So after all this, weighing up her popularity, good job she did as Premier, the fact there's no criminal charges, would you still say that this ICAC investigation was worth holding, Lenore? Uh, Yeah, I would. I think that corruption is not always criminal and breaking a ministerial code is not always criminal. But there are standards of behaviour that the public have a right to expect from elected office bearers and certainly from the Premier of a state. And the information and the revelations in this report are compelling and and quite damning. You know, I think it's a really useful exercise in holding the Premier to account for not revealing something that she quite obviously should have revealed. Even if you have sympathy for her and for the situation that she was in, she should have revealed this relationship. She didn't, in my view, she didn't really fairly characterise the relationship. It clearly was significant to her. It should have been revealed. She would have had all sorts of personal reasons for not doing that, but it's a substantive report. And yeah, I do think it was worth doing. Next, hiking fears and swift bewilderment. Hey, Laura Murphy-Oates here. At Guardian Australia, we want to make sure you're getting the news that matters in 2023. Our morning mail and afternoon update newsletters are short and capture the most important headlines of the day. If that sounds good, you can subscribe for free right now by visiting the Guardian homepage, searching Guardian Australia newsletters, or just downloading our app and you'll get daily notifications. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free 
or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy to assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Now we come to what we can't get out of our head. And let's start with you today. So I'm a fairly keen hiker. And so I guess the story I can't get out of my head this week is uh, the discovery of actor Julian Sands' body in California up in the mountains. Um, It just makes me think, am I really prepared enough when I go walking? What could possibly go wrong? Are you? Do you have the emergency app on your phone, Anne? Uh, Nope. Um, I don't. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. We'll take this offline. We shouldn't be laughing at that story, but um, Lenore, do you have something a little more uplifting? Uplifting? I don't know. I just, you know, who can get Taylor Swift out of their heads this week? Not me. Well, yeah, like more than 4 million people across Sydney and Melbourne were trying to buy tickets on the same day. And I swear it was most of our office was like (laughs) just there on (laughs) on their phones trying to buy. I mean, look, I like Taylor Swift. I do. It's really good music. She, you know, she's a great singer. It's great music. But it's the kind of mania. I just don't even get it. But I know that puts me in a distinct minority, even in this room. No, well, I've actually seen Taylor Swift twice. Oh, um, what? When she did the Fearless tour, I saw it in America and then again in Australia. And did and you like her early stuff better? I <laughs> did like her early stuff better, but um, it was an absolutely amazing show and I'm sure that the optics have got even more extravagant as time's gone by. This episode was produced by Miles Herbert and Joe Coning, who also did the sound design and wrote the theme tune. The executive producer is me, Gabrielle Jackson. Have a great weekend. Laura Murphy-Oates will be back on Monday with a Guardian investigation into a fossil fuel project that threatens to become a carbon bomb. Do listen out for that. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.